Welcome to Rooted and Unwavering, a podcast and radio show which features leaders from all walks of life in conversations about courageous connectedness. How do we stay connected to our best selves, especially when we are challenged? What becomes possible when we truly stay committed to our own and others' greatness, also when we don't feel it? Join host Hilke Faber, transformational coach, facilitator, and award-winning author of Taming Your Crocodiles, and his guests as they explore leadership greatness in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering. Well, welcome everyone to this next episode of Rooted and Unwavering, broadcasting live from uh, Business Radio X in Arizona. I'm your host, Hoka Faber. This is where we help people uh, connect more deeply to their innate potential. And this is our ninth episode, and I'm here today with Bernard Slowey. How are you today, Bernard? Yeah, I'm great, Helga. I'm very excited to be with you today. Thank you for including me in this podcast. I've been a listener, so it's strange to be the actual person with you in the room, <laughs> the virtual room. Well, I'm, I'm very grateful that you're here, and I will say a few things about you and also about this podcast. As I'm, I'm just looking at you and thinking about how I met you, Bernard, I've been very uh, inspired by you from the very beginning, by your humanness at the same time uh, performing at a very high level. So being able to integrate those two. So we'll, we'll learn about that more in a moment. Um, this podcast series, just to say a bit more about it and just get us grounded in this, is really to help to explore what it's like to be truly connected to who we aspire to be, what our best selves, you could say, our, our best angels, and, and learning to access that point by listening to stories from, from different leaders, from different walks of life, and learning from them about what is it like to truly come from this, you could say, deeper place. Or these are my words, but the, from that higher place, deeper place, that you could call is connected to something bigger than um, than our immediate thoughts might lead us to believe that we are. So that's what this series is about. And I'm delighted to be here today with Bernard Slowey. Bernard has been working for decades now, working to help to optimize and really support customer experience. He's currently vice president uh, of digital customer, customer success and support at Salesforce. Before that, you were working at Microsoft and GitHub for about 16 years, driving customer success and transformation. You had various leadership roles. You were, at some point, I'm looking here, uh, responsible for support in 132 countries and over 3,000 engineers uh, supporting customers through an outsourced and in-house support model. You bring 20 years of experience in transforming customer experiences and managing uh, uh, complexity uh, in very complex matrix organizations and now uh, at Salesforce. So I'm delighted to sit with you, Bernard. Besides that, uh, you're from Ireland, which is also, as I, I believe, an interesting part of your, your background. So before we go deeper into this, you said it was interesting for you to, to be now not a listener, but a speaker. So what was coming mm -hmm. up as you thought about approaching and, and, and becoming part of this conversation today. Well, once again, thank you for having me here. And yeah, the Irish part is very important to me. So thank you for calling that out. It was very interesting. As I was getting ready for this help, I kind of felt a little bit of imposter syndrome 
honestly. Like I've listened to some of the guests you had, you know, some of them I know from my time at Microsoft. I was like, really? He wants me on this podcast to talk about my career. <laughs> so so it was a little bit of that uh, to get ready for it. I think I always have a little bit of imposter syndrome throughout my career, but just just excited to be here. I always feel anytime I have a conversation with you, I come away learning a lot about myself. Um, and so, you know, really looking forward to the conversation together. Brilliant. Well, let's let's just dive right in. So you know that this series is about connectedness and connecting mm -hmm. to our, our true selves, to our higher self, to our values. So what have you been learning in your life? Just a very general question to get started about connecting to, you know, what you really value. What have you been learning about that in your life and career? You know, I was spending a little bit of time yesterday researching as I was getting ready for this conversation. And I actually just put in the question in Google and what, what is the concept of connectedness? Um, and, and I was just looking through some of the different things that came back to me. And one that really resonated with me was the feeling of belonging to or having an affinity with a particular person or group. And I saw a quote that I loved under this and it said, only one thing is of absolute importance and that is your connectedness with being. And what really resonated with me is kind of to your question is you have to start with yourself, right? I know we're going to kind of get into the connectedness of a culture, of an organization, of a customer, but you have to start with yourself. And so for me, I've been on a journey to learn that and to understand that. And, you know, a lot of things that I've learned over my career, the biggest thing for me was believing in myself more, Helka. You know, if I, if I reflect back on my career, especially early in Microsoft, you know, always kind of questioning, like, oh, am I really in this room? Should I be here? You know, so that's been a big thing as I think about my connectedness to myself, believing myself more and believing that, yeah, I can do this and I should be here. I should have a seat at this table. And with that personal self-care, you, you've taught me a lot about this over the years. Like, if, if I'm not feeling right in my equilibrium, then I can't help my team. I can't help my family. So that personal self-care is a huge part for me on connectedness. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That makes total sense. And that sense of believing in yourself, like basically you're saying, yeah, am I worth it being here? Even in this conversation, you, yeah. you have to make a conscious choice and say, wait, yeah. hold on a second. Is it really me that's showing up here? Yeah. And I sense this is something that many of us can resonate with. Like, you know, can I, do I really belong on this chair, whatever chair I'm sitting on at the moment? Yeah. So, and then I love that you looked at the definition of connectedness, having to do something with affinity and then with others, but that affinity with others starts from self because those totally. are the eyes from which I'm looking at others, right? Totally. totally. So, Say a bit more, Bernard, about how you have learned to connect in with yourself, to, to believe in yourself, and maybe also share with, the, with us a little bit about the trials and tribulations, because you've been at this for a while, and I'm imagining it hasn't just been a smooth line, like, yes, 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 great, done, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, perfect sailing the whole way through. Um, I, I have moments that I reflect back on that were really, you know, I look back on them and go, that's, that's, where, that's where I learned that thing. That's where I, I recognize that thing within me. Um, so I reflect back on them a lot. Like, I, I know, like, I think back a long time ago, I moved, I was a technical support agent for AOL when I was in college. And I moved from AOL to Microsoft. And that was my first, like, oh, crap. 
definitely going to get found out here should I have this seat at the room and so I had to build up my own confidence like I look back on that now like I had to learn to believe in myself to be confident to realize I did have a belong at that table so if I could talk back to Bernard 20 years ago I'd probably give him a prep conversation and you should be here you belong to be here that that's really important but there's just different moments in my career, Helke, like moving to the US from Ireland. I, I worked for Microsoft in Dublin. I moved to Seattle, you know, 11, 12 years ago with my then girlfriend, who's then my amazing wife, Laura, from Ireland. And, you know, that was an incredibly challenging thing to do, right? You, you leave everyone behind. You know this, your friends, your family, you move away. Moving to Salesforce, you know, changing companies. I was 14, 15 years at Microsoft. You know, I, I, I knew... I had a brand at Microsoft. I could have stayed there. I could have continued to do well. But I kind of reflected on these things. And it comes back to something that I talk about a lot. And it's that courage over comfort, right? Like I could keep staying. I could have stayed in Ireland. I could have stayed at Microsoft. I could have put, like, if I, I realized that's like, they're the moments that I learned from. You know, they're the moments when I put myself into them. I just recently moved to North Carolina from Seattle six months ago. It's been hard to adjust as a family you know i got a little five and a half year old boy dylan but you know we're settling in now and it's going well and you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone whether that's in life whether that's in your job like you have to do these things to grow to learn and to develop i love that phrase courage over comfort and like i can see you like okay here i'm going from ireland to the the northwest very different maybe not in weather but very different weather (laughs) yeah 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 in some ways and then and then shifting companies and then leaving behind that reputation um that you that you built up in microsoft for for many years yeah Um, i'm curious about what fuels your courage where do you get your courage from and and i'd love you to think a bit about how that may have evolved over time. Think about Bernard 20 years ago at AOL and his first job. Where did that man at that age get his courage in? And how has that evolved over time? Oh, that's such a great question. It's such a deep question as well. Um, I think, I'm looking back, I see the reflection of my photo of my mom and dad behind me. And, and I, you know, part of, I think, what drove me was a lot of what my mom and dad had done for me. Like I, my mother raised five boys, which as a father of one boy, I have no idea how she did that, you know, and, and they gave a lot, you know, in order for their sons to have opportunities in life. So part of that drove me, Helke, and we, we've talked about this a little bit in some of our coaching together. Some of that was a fear of failure, honestly, like letting them down and, you know, and, and that sometimes kind of held me back, I think, a little bit as well, where I think I was too much of a perfectionist, nearly like I was afraid to do things because I was afraid it would be wrong. And I was afraid, like, what's this going to look like? And over time, like I, I've learned that like failure is so important, you know, and it's like, especially as a father now, by the way, like I'm, I'm you know, I coach my son's soccer team now, which, which is hard trying to get, you know, six year olds to all run in the same direction, but he needs to fail. Right? He needs to make mistakes. And, and that's what, as I've learned over my career, like that's really important to me. I have to make mistakes. Like I have to push myself out there to make that mistake because I'll grow and I'll expand and I'll, as a person. I love the, the image. And I also know of like expanding and growing and I can see it in your hands, right? And I also, that, that you're referring back to the picture behind you. I think it's a black and white picture. Is that right? It's this one over here, actually, maybe you can't really see. That's my mom and dad there. So, yeah, always there behind me so I can see them. Uh, you know, they've been a massive influence in my life. 
and that uh, that's so it's so beautiful and then and then noticing that that you you had a a a vision you could say from an early age about something that you wanted to 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 achieve right mm-hmm. and, and of course that also had a shadow in it which yeah. was the failure like i can't let that image down but at least yeah. like every every like our mind is so creative right it, it gives us an yeah. image to something to go towards and and then we we find the courage to go for that yes um, i'm yes. imagining for for your mom it took a lot of courage to to raise five boys you know to have the no idea that, right? how she did it no and, idea how she did it and, and and then with you it takes a lot of courage to 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 actually step out of that and i i sense your vision of how you get courage has expanded from i have to satisfy a certain image that is error free to i want to see evolution i want to see those yeah, yeah. And it, it's so important when you, you know, you, you know, whether you manage one person or you're a leader of multiple people that like, you have to let people fail. Um, and that's hard. Like that's hard as a manager sometimes, like what, but, but same as yourself is you have to let people make mistakes so that they can learn from it and grow from it. And like, and that's really, really hard sometimes, but it's, but it's critical. So, you know, what I'm going to ask you next, <laughs> which is, you know, we've been talking about, like fear of failure and things like that. And of course, that's been written about a lot. Yes. And and we all know that. We say, oh yeah, no, failure is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, at least my experience is when I'm in the middle of that, it often <laughs> doesn't feel like that. So 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 tell me, tell us a little bit about what is it like, and maybe give an example of when you failed, what you noticed in yourself and how you moved through that. So first of all, I, I totally agree, which is as you go through them moments, it feels icky, right? If anyone tells you that failing feels good, I think they're lying to you, right? You're going to feel, you know, emotionally, it's not great, you know, and but I think it's when you get past it, right? And you can kind of take a side to stock and look back and go, what did I learn? You know, and that's what I tell my team, like when, when, when stuff goes wrong, which it will, because we're trying to push the envelope and the experiences for our customers, what did we learn from it, right? Like that's the most important thing because then we can go again, right? We can do a version two with what we learned from version one and feed it in. And ultimately that makes better products, that makes better experiences for your customers. So that's kind of why you nearly have to fail along the way. So you learn from it. I think for me, you asked me personally, like I had a massive failure at my, I consider it a failure um, at Microsoft when we, we had a launch of one of our Windows operating systems. I won't get into too much detail on it, but like, we ended up like things kind of blew up is <laughs> the best way to describe it. And it was like in there every morning from like seven in the morning to 10 at night because things weren't going well. We couldn't manage the volume we were getting. And, and I think I was a little bit further along in my career where I realized, okay, you're, you're the leader here. So I needed to show everybody that it was okay. And I needed to show everyone that I was okay. And so even though I felt like, crap inside and i'm like oh my god this is not good this because this doesn't look good to leadership etc it was important that i was calm and it was important that i helped to see people that this is okay we'll get through it and we'll figure it out but at the time to your point it felt terrible i remember coming home and like i didn't sleep well for a couple of weeks through all of that you know it was stress very very stressful situation but i look back on it and i learned so much from it that i know it won't happen again I understand. So, so take us a little bit into those sleepless nights. Yeah. Or not sleeping so well. Yeah. 
what what's the experience? And, and I imagine I, I invite you to really go to the part of the movie of your life, so yeah. we can all see that. Because many people, are, at least I have, and many people I'm sure have been there. So what is it like yeah. to be in that sleepless night? And then how do you then still show up the next morning? Yeah. So so maybe I'll paint the picture to people then just to help them relate to it. So every morning we have to go in and present out on, on the performance of how the launch was going. Um, big room, lots of tables in it. Center table was pretty much like an executive leadership team across Microsoft and different organizations. And we sit at the table and kind of go around and you talk about your element of the business and how it's going. So my element of the business wasn't going very well. And so it's the, the anxiety, the nervousness of knowing, all right, I got to get up the next morning. I got to go into this. The picture's not any better than it was today. It's not going to be any better probably for days and weeks. And so, like, you can't help. Now I think I would be a lot better actually managing that sleepless thing. But anyway, at the time, like, I couldn't help but it would impact my sleep, right? I would be so, so nervous about that meeting that next morning. And, you know, now I do things like meditation, thanks to you. And I'm able to be more present and let work go at certain times in my life when I need to go. But just the nervousness of going into this room with all these people and all these execs and day after day being read. You know, um, on a scorecard. Yeah, no, it was it, it was a horrible situation. You know, and um, but then I, I feel like I did learn a ton from it as a leader. And then to your point, like I knew I would meet with my team in advance of that meeting, get all the information from them. I, I had to be, as I said, calm with my team. I had to show my team it's okay. You know, we'll get out of this eventually. We've got plans in place. And then go into that other meeting and kind of share that story with leadership. So it was really important that I gave my team that self-confidence that we'll get through this. You know, we'll get through the other side. Otherwise, they start to feel the pressure. They feel the anxiety. And you need to try and take that away from them as a leader. I, I love that you mentioned the word calm. Yeah. That you, I love that. It's like that seems to be one of the ingredients for courage. Yeah. Being able to find that. So, so how did you... At that point access more calm and be able to be that calm at least portray that confidence without having hubris and being real still being realistic like hey we're still in the red so how did you do that i think it's the the, the ability to be present in the moment the ability to be put your feet in the ground and just realize this is just it it's just a meeting it's just me giving an update i'm just going to focus on this moment in time and not let all the other monkeys that are going around in my brain influence what i'm about to do that's if you can find that presence in them situations to drive clarity you know to be okay in the situation that's the secret you know because we all have that monkey brain right we all have the things going around the back of our head that's Bernard, you're going to get this wrong. You're going to say something wrong. They're going to pull you apart on this. This isn't going to go well. All of that self-doubt creeps in in them situations. So you got to find that presence, right? Be there in that moment and just know you got it, right? Know you got it. No, no one in the room knows this better than you. That's the secret, right? You're in that room because you're the subject matter expert in this space. That's why you're there. That's why you have a seat at the table. So you just got to remember that and be present in that moment and, and just deliver the message you need to deliver, good or bad. That's so great. I, I, I hear you say, like, I've got it. And I'm inferring in what you're saying that actually presence got it. Yeah. Because that is actually where I'm starting from. And I'm sensing that many times you're entering that big conference room not with such nice answers. So it wasn't no. like 
answers that was giving yeah. confidence, but it was something inside of yourself that helped you to feel and, and be confident. And that from that place, at least that's my experience that I'm sensing that from you as well, there yeah. was resourcefulness, creativity. And I love that you said, like even looking up for a moment, well, this is a meeting. This yeah. is not everything. Yeah, it's not everything. And that's that's like, I, I find people just let work stress them out so much, you know, and the anxiety of it, the stress of it sometimes. And it's not everything, you know, it, it, it's really, and of course our jobs are important. Don't get me wrong. I know it puts food on the table, etc. but you can't let it be the thing that like drives anxiety and pressures in that way, or you're just going to burn out. You know, you're just going to burn out. I, I love that. Now at Salesforce, you have these these values that I find very beautiful, like trust, customer success, innovation, and equality. And we uh, actually just added a fifth one recently on sustainability. And we don't add, often add new values. We've had them four values for a long time, but it shows where we are as a company. Yeah, and a mate like. One of the reasons I feel great at Salesforce is I feel very connected to the values of the company. So, so tell us a little bit then, like in Bernard version, February 2022, mm -hmm. how do you connect to your best self? And maybe also speak a little bit about how you use connecting to Salesforce company values in that process, if you do. Yeah, I, I guess that the first thing is kind of what we talked about earlier is just making sure that I'm right, that I have my self-care, that my family's working well. Like if I'm not, if I if I'm not right, then I can't be right for Salesforce. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like it, I, I often think about it as these three circles, and in the middle of the circle is me, and it's my self-care. And you know, like this morning I went out for a run. I know if I don't do a run. You know, every couple of days, I, I kind of feel out of whack. Like it's my it's my thing, right? It kind of gives me a run, it clears my head, and and so that's kind of my thing. So there's there's my own self care in the middle of the circle, and that includes my family health care to make sure like I've time with my son or time with my wife, whatever. And then after that is my team, and so like if if I'm not connected, then I'm not going to be connected for my team, right? And so I've got to make sure I'm I'm in the right spot, and then the circle around me is my team. Right. And how do I help to drive connectedness to my team in Salesforce? Right. We've gone through a lot of org changes recently. I know that's uncomfortable for people. Like, how am I doing things to help them feel like, you know, we're working on the right things? And so, so the team is the kind of second circle. And then the circle around that is like our customers and our partners. Like, they're, they're the three circles that I care about. And it all ties back to the Salesforce values because you look at our values, right? Trust. Right, is our number one value. I love that, right? Trust in myself, trust for my family, trust for my team, that they know that you know what I say is coming from a place of truth. And um, no matter what the news is, that's important for me. Trust to our customers. You know, customer success is one of our values, right? Our job is to make our customers successful with our products, right? If they're successful with our products, they're going to continue to use Salesforce and it keeps the flywheel spinning, you know? So, so our, our values are, are incredible. And then equality and sustainability, you know, it's like, I often think about, I used to, I remember years ago, people would talk about like their work persona. I used to drive me nuts. Like I remember I, I was at a meeting years ago in Microsoft in Dublin. I was in some high performance program and this guy came over from the U S and he's like, you got to focus on your work persona. Who are you at work? And, 
kind of left that and I was like, God, I got to figure out who Bernard's going to be at work, right? Like, like who, who is this Bernard guy at work? And, and it took me a couple, not a couple of years, it sounds terrible, but a while to realize like, who you are in work should be the person you are outside of work. Like it should be the same person. But what I've learned, and this is why that equality value is so important to me, that's not easy for everybody. It's easy for me as a white male, right, to be the same person I am every day in work. But for others, that's not always the case. And so that's why I love Salesforce value of quality is really, really important. Because that's, think about that team circle, healthcare, right? I want to create an environment for my team with trust, that they feel connected, that psychological safety, that they can be who they are every day. And so that's coming back to the equality, you know, and then sustainability, right? Where it, it's like the world we're living in right now and what we're doing to the world, right? Like it's, can't business be for good? And that's what Salesforce wants to be. So, so sorry, I talked a lot there, but like the value is just, it's how our company functions. Yes, and I noticed the enthusiasm and the inspiration that you bring to bear as you speak about this. And also... I love that phrase that you, but I'm paraphrasing, that trust starts with truths. Yes. You know? It really starts with being truthful in that inner circle. Like, what is it that I need to be totally, like, here? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then from that place, I can be that truthful and trustworthy, frankly, yes. with my team and with my customers and I also love that it is the first value of Salesforce. Yes. In the in the yes. at least in the, the way you yeah, spoke. Yeah, no, it about is. It. It's our number one value. Trust. It's, it's our number one value that everything we do when Mark started the company, that was the number one value they had, which was trust. It's a company that lives by its values. I think certain companies put you know values on a website and say these are our values. Salesforce lives by its values. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So there's there's sense of like the you live, you be, you are now in a company where this is part of what you do. Yes. You, you're in that, you could say, very fortunate environment. And then I also heard you speak with empathy when you talked about equality, that being our true selves, not putting a mask on, staying yeah. to ourselves is, and, 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 and is not easy for, for everyone. And it might even be that people in, you know, our skin and our gender, meaning you and I, may be a yeah. little easier than for many others. 100%, 100%, 100%. So, so how do you, and also I'm thinking about the people that you lead, right? So mm -hmm. you, you have people, I guess, I would guess in your team that are where you were, at least age-wise, yeah. when you were starting off in your career, right? Mm -hmm. When you were at, were at AOL. So, oh, hell yeah. you know, and, and so how do you, what do you want to say to people? How do you work with people when you notice that they may be in some kind of work persona or really afraid of failure? How do you work with that? I, I, I think it's, it's, it's your job as a leader to create the environment that people feel safe to be whoever they want to be. Like that, that's, that's your job. Like if, if the number one thing that I have to do is to create an environment and a culture that people feel safe in. Like, because if you do that, then people feel like they can be themselves. You know, they can do what they want to do. They don't have to be different. That's my job. 
And that's where I kind of look to my leaders as well, is are we in creating an inclusive environment where people feel like they can be themselves? And then to your point on the, on the fear of failure, it's how you run the business, right? We do things like weekly business reviews and monthly business reviews and, you know, how I operate as a leader in them environment, questions I ask when people make mistakes. That's what gives people the confidence to be okay to make mistakes. And what do I mean by that? Like if I'm a, if I'm a, an a-hole, excuse my English, I think we've all had leaders like that, right? That kind of rip people apart in these meetings and whatever, then people are always going to be afraid to make mistakes, right? Because they're afraid they're going to get grilled or, you know, and so if you can be kind in them moments, even when things go wrong and ask the question, what did we learn from it? You know, how are we going to do it the next time? Then, then you create that environment where it's okay to fail. I see a sense of tall kindness in the way you're speaking because we can easily misinterpret kindness as kind of uh, wishy-washy and uh, not high-performing. Yeah. What I'm hearing you speak about is this kindness actually is very much helpful in bringing out the best yes. and taking a stand for a bigger space in which failure is a possibility for evolution. Yeah. And to your point, it doesn't mean that you're not high-performing. You have to be high-performing, right, to succeed. It just, you can do it in a way that's kind, right? You don't need to be an a-hole in these situations. You know, I have, after my 20-something years, I have a rule now where I just don't work with a-holes. That's, that's what I tell myself. I have plenty of scars from them over the years. And so I hope I'm not like that as a leader, you know? Well, I, I love what you're saying. We're going to go in a, in a break in a moment. Uh, and then after the break, I want to explore a little bit more this question of like, how do you inspire connectedness in others? And also, how do you see yourself evolve in more and more connectedness and, 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 and expansion uh, into the self that you aspire to be? So thank you so much for everything you've said. And thank you for listening so far. Let's take a, a brief break starting right now. You are listening to Rooted and Unwavering, presented by Growth Leaders Network, the leadership, team, and culture development company. If you would like to learn more about working on connectedness for yourself, your team, or organization, please contact Growth Leaders Network on LinkedIn. And now, back to the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We are in Rooted and Unwavering conversation with Bernard Slowey, Vice President at Salesforce, and we've been discussing how to stay connected to ourselves. And so beautifully, Bernard was talking about the different circles of connectedness that starts with the inner circle of self, family, and then going to team, and then going to customers, and also talking about this whole idea of creating psychological safety by, by being kind, and also uh, talking about courage over comfort, being able to have the courage to stand for something bigger, even if you don't quite know yet how it's going to turn out. So thank you, Bernard. So this question uh, about how do you inspire the sense of psychological safety and connectedness in others, and especially when you sense it, it might have left the room for a second. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's also in a virtual world, which many of us are in. I've been in since my Salesforce time. It, it can be a little bit harder. Um, 
this is going to sound like a strange answer, but one of the things I love to do with my team is we have some fun. We use Slack a lot, which is a Salesforce product. So here's me plugging Salesforce products. And if you read through our Slack channel, like, like there's craziness in there, right? There's, you know, funny gifts, there's comments about it. And it's just, it's, it's a place where we can be human with each other. You know what I mean? Where we can kind of have them conversations. And that's a huge part of connectedness. You know, if you can connect with people and the human being and have a little bit of fun as part of that in a business environment, that's how you can inspire it. You know, the other, the other thing I would say, and, and you helped me a lot in this in my career, is we, we have a small um, team, and we had this at Microsoft too, that runs something called our Culture Corner. This is purposely, it's, it's none of the leaders in our organizations. It's all individual contributors, ICs that I kind of, like the people that are part about it, I think about these people as their force multipliers. And you can see them in every organization, right? You probably can think of names to your head and where when they run things and they do it with the rest of the team, they drive that connectedness across the team. And it's much better when it's not always coming from leadership. Like they drive this meeting called the Culture Corner. And I did this at Microsoft. We did an amazing team do it there as well, where we'll just meet every now and again and, and we'll talk about things and they'll have topics that they bring up. It's all driven by them. And they drive that connectedness across the team, help, especially in a virtual world, right? Using Slack, we're on Google Meets all the time. We make a bit of fun with it, with our backgrounds and stuff that we change. And so trying to find them people in your organization that are the force multipliers is how I think about them. That's a great way to drive connectedness in your organization because it can't all come from the top down needs to come from within the team and like people that are that kind of them force multipliers. Beautiful. And then question is like how do you keep that fresh right because so often in those journeys you see when people learn something and you get those inspirations like yeah yeah let's bring more of our true selves and then nope business as usual uh or yeah yeah we've done this culture stuff now for a while but how do you like okay but let's let's go back to to real life so how do you keep it fresh how do you keep inspiring people to actually keep growing? How do you do that? Oh, that's such a good question. I, I think part of it is just the cycle of business and of life. And what I mean by that is change is always coming at us, right? Like we're, we're in a world that we're launching products every couple of months. And so with that in itself, there's a freshness. Like you, you have to learn new things. You have to figure out new ways to do things for customers. And so it helps, you know, people need to think about new experiences and they need to stretch themselves. So just as part of business, I think there's this constant, and that's why I love working at a company like Salesforce because it's just constant change, healthcare. Like it's never, it's never the same thing from one week to the other. Um, you know, and so that definitely enables the freshness. And then I, I think also new people, um, you know, new, when new people join your team, and we've, I mentioned we've just gone through a reorg and so, some different people coming together and that's always really difficult right because there's people who are here a while they've maybe got some of the relationships already but then the new people join in and they bring in freshness right they bring in a different perspective and i always tell people when when they join my team is like I, you have that beginner's mindset now right when you when you start something new you automatically have that beginner's mindset, right? Because you have to ask questions to learn. So I say, please take that license. Take that license to be the beginner, to look at things and tell me when you think something's not right. Like, why, why do we do it that way? 
you know? And so, so it's some of that freshness of that beginner's mindset, I know that comes back to some of the Zen Buddhism stuff, which you, you helped a lot with as well. But it's like, that's, that's the core of freshness is you always approach things as a beginner. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And I, I love that you also did that in the beginning of this podcast where you announced that you had a part of you that said, well, I'm maybe a little bit of an imposter here. So let's get yeah. past that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the freshness already by acknowledging that where you are, being very honest about that. So yeah. how do you, as a leader, practice being in that, staying connected to that learning? Because when I look at like everything that you've written, or a lot of what you've written, I've not read everything, but I've read some, some of the things you've written. And when I think about how I know you and also how you're speaking today, I, I, I keep seeing this, yeah, oh, challenge. Let's grow. Let's evolve. This is exciting. Let's see how we can look at this differently. So how do you yourself cultivate a, a beginner's mindset? How do you do it? I think that the number one thing is you have to be curious. You know, you have to have curiosity. Like when, when I'm when I'm hiring people or, you know, people join my team or something, I, I look for people that are naturally curious. And then you can see them. Right, they're the people in the meeting that will ask the question that everyone else is thinking, but they're afraid to ask. Right, and so, so I've always tried to anchor myself in curiosity. Like I, I like to read where I can find the time. It seems these days, and that's good as I used to be. I like to listen to podcasts like yourself, like Tim Kerr, because I know these are all things that are like helping me learn, helping me develop, keeping me curious. So, so, so curiosity is a huge, huge thing is like, make sure you stay curious because it's easy to, to kind of, especially as your career grows, right? It's easy to kind of go, well, you know, I've done this before. We can just do A, B and C and that will work. I did it at Microsoft, you know, that way it's like, but no, you got to be curious and figure out if there's a different and a better way to do it. So I think curiosity is the number one thing, Helka. I see that. I see that. And if, when you're not curious, where does your mind go? Bored. Bored. Yeah, yeah, I have to be curious. Like, and it's again, I'm going to come back to my son because there's nothing better than to watch children, right? It's like, look at the questions children ask, yeah. right? Like, you know, like it, he asks so many questions to the point that sometimes you're driving the car and you just wish he'd, he'd shut up, to be honest. But, but, you know, I mean, that in the nicest possible way, obviously. But, like, we have this curiosity as children, right? We have this, we want to ask these questions, we want to learn, we want to understand. And somewhere along the way, we're, we, we lose that. And it's not that we don't still have the questions in our head. It's kind of like we're afraid to ask the question anymore. We're, I, I often say as well as to people, it's, it's great to be the dumbest person in the room. You know, it's, it's actually, I've been talking about when I like joined Salesforce. I love to know nothing about Salesforce because I had a license to ask as many questions as I wanted to ask because I don't know, I've never been here before. I've never done it. I'm the dumbest person in the room. And that's a great place to be sometimes. And how do you balance that if there, if you need to balance it, with you still have responsibilities yeah. also at Salesforce. You know, you're not yeah. just there as an intern or student. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not that there awesome. as an intern or student. Your role is to lead for yeah. customer success. I mean, that's yeah. a lot. So yeah. how do you balance that? Yeah, I, I kind of like, I was talking with this, my team, we were meeting the last two days with our extended leadership team. We're doing some planning for next fiscal year. And like, there's some, like I, I kind of tell my team is like we run a business. Like there's the metrics that we have to hit to run our business. Like we have to have some green things in our scorecard to show like 
customer satisfaction? Are we driving an experience that our customers are satisfied with? Nothing's more important than that. So they're all like table stakes, non-negotiables. Like we've got to be driving the business to hit them metrics so that we're green on them elements. But then you got to have space for the moonshots, right? Like you got to have space for the creativity, like the, the, like the things that are maybe going to bring that metric to the next level in the future because you haven't even thought about it doing that way so you've got to create space and this is where the curiosity comes in again right because if you, you've got to create space for the things that maybe don't sound like a great idea <laughs> but you know what it's that so it's, it's it's a balancing act i guess is what i'm trying to say Helga. it's like you have of course yeah like i I'm, I'm the vp for digital customer success at salesforce right i need to make sure that we're driving success at scale for our customers and i'm responsible for that to my boss my boss's boss and so i gotta land that that just has to happen and then it's like how are we doing these other things that maybe it's going to be the the next evolution of what we're doing in the future. Like that's where you create that space for the, for the moonshots. Table stakes and moonshots. I'm going to remember that. That's great. So I have to ask you this question then, especially in the current climate where there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. Uh, maybe even sometimes on table stakes. You know? mm -hmm. So how do you work with that? You know, when, when maybe even some of those table stakes measures go go from green to orange to maybe red sometimes how do you work yeah yeah well, well there's a couple of things and coming back to something that we talked about at the start on the failure pieces sometimes you need to be okay with red as long as like you're learning and why it's red and what we're going to go do to improve upon it but the other thing is just on the current macro environment of where we are like let, let's be honest it's a stressful world for people right we're seeing companies letting people go left, right, or center. But like what I've learned is like, you can't let that distract you. I can't control that, Helka. I can't control what's going on in, in the world, the economy, et cetera. And so I can't let it distract me and I try not to let it distract my team. Now it's hard, you know, like I try to do virtual coffees with my extended team. And one of the first questions I get asked is, hey, what's happening? You know, are we going to be doing anything? And to be honest with people and tell them what's going on etc so i have to try and help people not get distracted by that including myself so a real focus and commitment on what you actually can control exactly 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 and that helps you right because if you can focus on what you can control you can start to forget about some of the things that you can't control i'm i'm thinking of uh, a previous podcast guest that was sitting in your chair And she was coming from Ukraine. And so basically she was leaving, ev losing everything, right? I, yeah. Which, which is not the situation that you're in or that yeah. I'm in at this yeah. moment. Anyway, you know, we're all 8 billion humans of us yeah. sit in these different chairs. So when you start losing table stakes, right? yeah. and this is the reality for some people that are losing yeah. jobs, right? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's not as at least in my mind, not as severe as driving out of Kiev being bombed. Yeah. Maybe the experience psychologically and even survival life might be as yeah. severe. So how do you, how do you think about, and because, you know, everybody goes to challenge, you've been through your own challenges, I'm sure you have, like, where do you find the wherewithal to keep focused on what you can control, to fo keep focusing on curiosity, to Keep focusing on courage over comfort. Where do you find the wherewithal? Yeah, I, I listened to that podcast, by the way, 
in, in Ukraine and, and you know it's incredible and my heart goes out to the people of Ukraine still and what they're going through and you know you're reminding me with this question so my wall see my wall behind me I have all these pictures up on the wall and um, to try and inspire me and to be a little bit creative etc and, and one of them is my grandfather's brother uh, John Joe Trainer, and he got killed when he was 17 in the 1916 rising in Ireland. So it's a picture of him and there's two medals beside him that he got given afterwards. And so he was, he's just gone 17. So he was 17 years of age and he went out on the streets of Dublin to try and fight for Ireland's freedom. Um, and he got a bullet in the head. You know, my grandfather, I always remember growing up sitting on his lap at the fire when I was younger and he'd be telling me stories and connecting me to my Irish history and how important it was to me. And, I reflect on that, like I look up at that picture sometimes and I think I don't have to go through anything like that. You know, like what he died for gives me where I am today. Like I wouldn't have had this platform. I wouldn't be talking to you if he hadn't fought for Ireland's freedom, etc. And so nothing that's happening to me, Helga, nothing that's happening around me. Don't get me wrong. Of course, I'd be fearful of losing my job, etc. Just like everyone else. But nothing's that situation. You know what I mean? And so that's a massive ground. And for me, it relates to what you were saying about Ukraine and what that lady's going through. Nothing's as bad as that situation, right? And so I look at his picture a lot. My granddad is just across from him who became a detective in the Irish police force when they, they formed. And it grounds me, right? I, I don't have to deal with them situations. Yes, life is hard sometimes. Yes, my job is stressful sometimes. But I don't have to put my life at risk, you know, the, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you had to deal with that, where would you find the wherewithal? Probably from thinking about people like him, to be honest, and what he did. Um, it's deep inside you. You know, it's deep, deep inside you. Your connectedness and what you believe in, the connectedness and fighting for the freedom of your people. Um, it's deep, deep inside you. You know, deep, deep inside you. Yeah, and I hear that. I hear that. That's not trivial. It's very clear and resounding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's my, my mom always raised me, knowing the stories of my grandfather, my grandfather's brother. And again, maybe coming back to that little conversation at the start that we want to succeed is like, you know, they didn't have the opportunity to go to college. They didn't have the opportunity to do the jobs I do, to live in America. They laid that groundwork for me. You know what I mean? They laid the path. I can see you sort of on behalf of your family lineage, your tree, of, yeah. of, of what they gave to continue the work that they started. And, yeah. uh, and my sense is Dylan will continue to start, continue the work that you started. I hope so. Like it's interesting, you know, him being born in America. I'm like making sure he understands he's Irish American. Um, you know, but like I, I, I honestly think if like my granddad's probably looking down at me somewhere now, he'd be proud of what I achieved in life, and that makes me feel good, you know. And so I, I hope Dylan, you know, achieves whatever he wants to achieve in life. So, how would you? What would you say to to people that at this moment, for whatever reason? And there's so many good reasons. And we don't even need to have good reasons. We sometimes just are disconnected from that fierce depth you talk about, that you lead from, that your family led from and still leads from. So what would you say to them? I've been disconnected at moments in my career, Helke. Like I remember like pretty tough situations. And I'm sorry, just as we're talking, there's a guy doing the leaf blower outside, so I hope it doesn't come true. But... I've been very disconnected at moments in my career, you know, and, and so 
I think everyone goes through it. Like if everyone, if someone tells you that they've always been connected and everything's been great, you're whole guy. I think they're lying. Honestly, I think you're going to have moments in time where you're disconnected and the equilibrium doesn't feel right. And, and so, you know, now I, now I'm better at finding myself. You know, I, I kind of said to you earlier on is like, sometimes I just need to go for a run. Um, I run, I go through, I, I, beautiful i get to run through this forest the trees are beautiful it gives me time to think you know before i have you know things might be going a tough meeting coming up i'll usually meditate for 10 minutes over in the chair in the corner room if you would have told bernard 20 years ago that he'd meditate i would have laughed at you but that that helps me find that center sometimes right to kind of make sure that monkeys aren't going all over the place and get me centered back to where i need to be so so I, I know how to control it now. I know when things are going out of whack and what I might need to do to bring it back. Um, and there's just little things I have, you know, that I have to go do. So I, I hear two, two things in what you're saying. One is, oh, being aware when things are out of whack, where yeah. you are disconnected, you know? Yeah. And, and secondly, being clear about doing something about it. Like hundred percent going for a run, yeah. sitting yourself down and meditate uh, or whatever walk. you need to do. Okay, take, take a, a walk. walk. Get away from your office, get away from your computer, clear your mind. You know, you'll come back and you'll be 10 times more productive than you are if you stayed there. Take a walk. You know, and then the other thing for me is like Dylan being born was like life changing, right? Not everyone says that, but like he like I go spend time with him and I, I forget about work in 20 seconds. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like so so like he's my like, you know, it's it's he's amazing, you know, and he makes me think about things differently and not stress about things that maybe I would have stressed about in the past. Can you give an example of that? I'd love to hear some Dylan wisdom. It's so I'm, I'm a soccer coach. So I, I coached the Davison Fire uh, under sixes. So there's about, I think we play like six aside and there's about eight of them in total. And he's a good little soccer player. I'm not going to be honest. I'm not lying. Proud dad watching him play sometimes and also the coach. But like a match recently just really resonated with me. He, uh, he played a pass that was a bad pass and the other team went on and scored a goal from it. And like, so, you know, he was at fault for the goal, coming back to the fear of failure thing. I think if I was me at my age, I nearly would have fell into, in, at his age, I would have fell into my shell and not wanted the ball again. And like, so he kind of came up to me and I was like, I, I, this was a half time we're having the team talk. And I was like, are, are you okay? It just happened before that. And he's like, oh yeah, dad, I, just a mistake. I'll probably go score another one after half time for us anyway. And it was just like that, that like perspective of like a, a five and a half year old going, oh yeah, so what? I'll go score up the other end in a few minutes anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know? And so like, I was more worried about his reaction to it than he was. Does that make sense? I was like, oh no, he's going to be so disappointed now. And, and it's just like, it happens. It's course of the game. You learn. I love the quickness with which he did, didn't just switch. That he, he didn't miss a beat. No. Like, oh, yeah, I missed no. it. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll score again. That's uh, that's yeah. a great lesson, I think, for yeah. for for many of us, and definitely for me, to not dwell. Yes, to, to move right along, moving right along yeah. is what we're doing. Yeah. Is what we're doing. Exactly. Very helpful perspective, Bernard, is what you're saying, and I love the the emphasis on curiosity, discovery, expansion that we've been talking about. The, the other thing I'd add into that, Helga, so it just made me think of something when you mentioned something there, is, is um, I was later in my career when I figured this out, so maybe it helps people who are on the call, is EQ versus IQ. Uh -huh. 
in my career at the start of Microsoft, I told you I had massive imposter syndrome. I felt like I needed to be the smartest person in the room. Because that's kind of nearly the way Microsoft operated back then. Like Satya Nadella has done an incredible job of changing the culture of Microsoft. But I, I learned later in my career about EQ, like that emotional intelligence. And like, and that's actually what I learned about myself. What I have a good balance of is I have EQ and I also sometimes I think I have good IQ in certain situations. But that balance of EQ and IQ and knowing what emotional intelligence is is, is, is such a learning, right? When you realize, like, because you'll see some people in their career that have really high IQ, really, really high IQ, super intelligent people, and they have absolutely no EQ. They don't know how to be around people. They don't know the way to present in a certain way to a certain audience, to help them land the message. They don't connect with people. And so you could be really high in that EQ scale and do incredibly well with just that. So I just really want people to remember it's like that EQ versus IQ. It's not all about that intelligence of development, the product, et cetera. It's like, what is that? That EQ element as well is super important. So I imagine people listening to this uh, saying, great, sometimes I just can't access my EQ. I just don't know how to do it. And I don't meditate and I don't run. Yeah. What, what do you suggest? But, Find what works for you. Everybody's different. Like I, I, like I, I tried journaling for a while because people told me that's a great thing to do. I'm terrible at it. Helka, like I, I have a journal here beside me. I write in it sometimes to remind me to do things. It doesn't work for me. Journaling doesn't work for me. Find what works for you. And, and everybody's different. Like you got to try some things. Like you might be a runner. Maybe just go for a walk. You know, get out there and go for a walk. Experience nature. Uh, enjoy it you know so everyone has something different that works for them and you, you have to find it like because that's what gives you your balance you know is finding that thing that that gives you so you have to find what works for you and everybody's different everybody's different and and how would you say that you know when you found something that works you'll feel it you'll feel it like i, I am I went out running this morning. It's 26 degrees in Davis and North Carolina. So just to explain, I moved from Seattle to Charlotte, North Carolina about six months ago. Doing well down here. I love it. But it's cold in the morning. It's 26 Fahrenheit. I don't even know what that is in Celsius anymore. Hell, it's cold. And so like, I was like, my wife will tell you, I was like, oh, in and out the house. Didn't want to go out. It looked freezing. It's frosty on the grass. And I'm like, you know, I could just sit in here and have my coffee and try and, you know, start working earlier. But once I got out there, I was freezing for the first whatever. And then I, the cold goes away. I'm just lost in my talk, even though I'm running around and there's cars going on the side of the road. And, and you know, but I, I start thinking about things, you know, and it feels good. I know, like, I, oh, yeah, you know, that's a good idea. Like, I should do that. And so you, you'll know it because you'll feel it. Um, you'll feel it in here. Coming back to that presence thing, you'll feel it when it feels right. Yeah. And you feel it in here, that presence. Yeah. And you're speaking about, and to access it, sometimes it requires a little bit of work, like going for a run in 26 degrees Fahrenheit, when you yeah. want to, part of you might maybe be very comfortable staying with your cup yeah. of coffee inside. Yeah, yeah. Right. So maybe as we're getting to the very final minutes of this podcast, what is it that you would like to say to people as a, as a closing thought? Oh, God. Like that's like if I had a billboard, what would I write on that billboard for everyone to see? Um, my closing thought is is like 
work is hard sometimes, you know, and, and it, it's really important to people is find that balance. Like when, when it kind of goes, I actually, I hate the terminology work-life balance. I think that's completely wrong. Like I, I think why is work first? If anything, it should be life work balance. Right. And so find what works for you. It's different for everybody, but if you don't get that right, I've seen people, I've seen people get burnt out from stress. I've seen people have to leave what they were doing because they couldn't handle it anymore. And it's, it's all because they didn't have that balance. And I know when I didn't have it, I know a moment in my career where it was pretty down, things weren't going well. And, you know, I didn't have my balance right. So if I could give you one piece of advice, it's, it's find that balance. Make sure you take time for your family, for your kid, for you, for that self-care, for that circle in the middle. Because if that doesn't work, none of the other circles work. Um, so so find find the balance. That's what it's all about. You have to make it work for you. And that doesn't mean that I don't work hard. You know, sometimes I work later in the evening, but maybe I've taken the afternoon off because I'm going to do something with Dylan. You know, I make it work for me, you know? Make it work for me. I heard about this circle of self-care in the middle. My sense from this conversation with you, Bernard, that's that's table stakes for you. That is yes. table stakes for you. Yeah. And uh, so, well, thank you so much, Bernard. It's been such a pleasure and an honor to sit with you today. We've been listening to Bernard Slowey, who is the Vice President of Customer Success at Salesforce. And some of the key thoughts that I'm left with from our conversation is find out what works for you and balance within yourself is not a moonshot, it is actually table stakes. And it's something that requires deliberate practice and do it in a way that works for you. I can't thank you enough, Bernard. It's been fantastic to be with you today. Uh, if you're listening, I'm hoping you heard something that you find helpful to connect more deeply to what's true about you. So you can think about the Salesforce values, trust yourself even a little bit more. Maybe that's a question I'm sitting with for today from this conversation. What would it take for me to trust myself even a little bit more today? Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast. And also, uh, if you'd like to talk more, we have monthly GLM community calls. You can find them on LinkedIn. And next time, which will actually be next week, we'll be here with John Rex, the former CFO of Microsoft North America, uh, currently an executive coach. Uh, who I really admire. And thank you again, Bernard, for being with us. Uh, you've been listening to Rude and Wavering, where we help leaders connect more deeply to their innate potential. See you next time. Thank you for joining us in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering, leadership conversations about courageous connectedness, presented by the leadership development company, Growth Leaders Network. To learn more, subscribe to this podcast, connect with Growth Leaders Network and Hilke Faber on LinkedIn, or read Hilke's award-winning book, Taming Your Crocodiles. Now take a moment and appreciate something that is great about you. Celebrate the gift that you are and enjoy connecting more deeply to your best self today. See you next time on Rooted and Unwavering.